It is 11.07. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Mr. Hansen, uh, would you do me a favor and break out your calculator? Okay. Um, because we're a country of, what, 330 million. And uh, apparently uh, we have 14 million, 443,000 uh, local government employees across the country. So if you would add uh, 14,443, uh, dump that into your calculator. How many zeros is that again? <laughs> uh, well, it's a seven, uh, well, it's actually eight digits because it's... Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, I'm there. It should be 14,443,000. Yep, zero, yep. zero, zero. Got it. Okay. Uh, then um, we have to add to that uh, state employment across the country. Uh, because that's at 5,164,000. So across the country, we've got 5,164,000 state employees. But wait, there's more. Because that's 19,594 now. Okay, well, you can add to that. Uh, There is a 22... Million four hundred and forty nine thousand federal employees. Twenty two two comma four four nine comma zero zero zero. Okay, that's actually wrong. Oh, that's okay. Leave it alone. It's a four four nine to four nine five. So just add roughly five million. All right, I I screwed up. I'm gonna have to start all over again. Okay, we'll start all <laughs> over. Clear, clear. The, what we're trying to figure out here is just how many people the government across the country has employed, uh, and uh, we'll start with. 14- I, I really don't want to know that number. <laughs> <laughs> we start with fourteen million four hundred and forty-three thousand local um, government employees across the country. 14,443,000. Tell me when you got that. Then we'll go to the state level. Because that's that's pretty ugly, too. Okay, uh, I've got 14,443,000 entered and ready. Okay, now you can add to that um, 5,164,000. Actually, these numbers are not right. No, no, they're right. They're right. That's right. So, when you've added that in, let me know. Okay. And then, um, there are 22,449,000 employed by the government in this country in February. Uh now we're at 42. <clears throat> 42 million? Yes. That's actually a little low because the, the, the number in February was increased to 22,495, but that's close enough. 42 million people are employed by government in a country of 330 million. Wow. So you take away the kids that are, you know, not, a, you know, that are part of the population but not in the workforce. Uh, and then uh, the unemployed... 
and you end up with fifty million. Sounds really? right. Yeah. Wow. So, in the uh, immortal words of a, a senator from the state of Texas, we're going to have more people in the wagon than we got pulling yeah, the wagon. That's what it sounds like to me. Wow. Uh, add to that uh, the uh, Social Security recipients um, and and uh, people on welfare. Wow. That's see every government employee that gets uh, a paycheck above and beyond what the federal government takes in in taxes. In other words, the government takes in a million dollars in taxes, and they've got uh, more than a million dollars in expenditures. Everything over a million dollars is inflationary. It's money that that uh, they've created out of whole cloth that they've borrowed somewhere or printed. So. Just think how inflationary the expansion of the federal government is. I, I oversimplified that, but you get the idea. Um, when you're looking at these unemployment numbers, uh, think about how many people are employed by the government that shouldn't be, that would be added. Oh, could be ugly. And the frightening thought is that Democrats think that government isn't big enough. Yeah, it's not big enough. They want to add more. <laughs> oh, what does it take to be a Democrat? Uh, some kind of sh some kind of hit in the head. Uh, Tim, good morning. How are you on a Froster Buns well, Friday? Not too bad. Recovering from a bad cold, but I'm hanging in there. Yes, so is Brian. Uh, well, hopefully he's all better by the weekend, which, what, 24 hours? Anyway, uh, it had to do with uh, people on unemployment and, and seeking jobs and not getting jobs, so they stay on unemployment. There was a person when I used to be in HR just like two years ago, and you know they weren't looking for a job, and I'm going to phrase this as best I can uh, without the FCC getting down on you or me, uh, is she walked in in pajama bottoms <laughs> and a T-shirt, a T-shirt that said, not this B I T yeah, crooked yeah. letter H. A word that rhymed with which. Yes. There you go. Mm -hmm. And I went, okay, this person really doesn't want a job, do they? Okay. And it just amazed me how many people out there do that. Yeah. I I, I pointed out, and this is true, I, I won't <clears> mention <throat> the guy's name, his, his last name, but his name was Bobby, and he used to come into Nolan's Bar when I was working the family business. And he worked at the steel mills. And there was this recession, and he was on unemployment, ever so happy to get it. And he walks into Nolan's, and he says, Gary, would you fill this out and say that I came in here looking for a job? Because apparently that's the requirement. You have to look for a job. And it, 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 I mean, really? Exactly. You, you were uh, supposed to, I think it's like at least fly three places a week and or something like that. I don't know what it is now, but. Yeah, so he apparently would go into the beer joints that he frequented and ask the bar owners if they would sign off on him uh, being in there looking for a job. Oh, geez. See, there you go. Yeah, it's insane. Tim, thank you for the call. Glad you to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. It, it's, it's just stupid. The government should never be running an unemployment uh, policy. It's just not. It's just not in their milieu. 
All right. Uh, I have uh, no choice. Got to take a break, but we're going to come back and chat with you. It is Frost Your Buns Friday, and you may have a ton of other topics that you want to talk about. That's fine. We will just bring them in. We'll chat with them. Uh, but uh, there is a question about the whole J6 thing and the videos that have been released and whether or not it's a Brady violation. Of all people, Brian Hansen brought this to me. On the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 19 minutes after 11 o'clock. The so-called <laughs> journalist, Mike, uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, in front of Congress. Uh, Democrats, really, you guys need a checkup from the neck up. Honestly, it just, the, you're shooting the messenger because you don't like the message. It's unbelievable. Uh, but I do need, I need a reality check here. And... I'm hoping that somebody can tell me if this is true. I am looking at a an ad for a Democrat Central Committee drag show. Uh, is this real? Somebody tell me if this is real. St. Charles County Democrat uh, Democrats present drag show fundraising a fundraiser really March. Um, March 18th or 19th, I can't read it, at 9 o'clock, Leo's Pub and Grill. Is this real? Somebody tell me if this is real. Are the Democrats, the St. Charles County Democrats, really doing a drag show fundraiser? <laughs> what, why are you laughing? <laughs> you can't make it up. <laughs> well, maybe they did, Brian. Maybe this isn't real. Maybe this is just somebody's idea of a joke. But it's it. Somebody has this posted. It, it came up on my feed uh, on Facebook. It figures, and it says St. Charles County Democrats present drag show fundraiser featuring MC Acacia Royale and performers Mercury M Poison and Rocky Roxy Malone. Um, looks like it's March nineteenth, nine o'clock. Leo's Pub and Grill, uh, Capitol Drive. Uh, and They've done them in the past, so I'm just looking at a previous advertisement for uh, a similar type event. So, yeah, it's probably it's probably happening. Unbelievable! How, you know why not? Maybe next year, if you Democrats in St. Charles County want to raise some money, why don't you throw up a a schizophrenia uh, uh, fundraiser? Uh, and have people with the mental problem of schizophrenia uh, stand up on stage and, and talk to both of themselves. You know? I mean, who? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Uh, what is the matter with people? That is just plain bizarre. Democrats are weird. Uh, Brian, you brought this up, uh, the Brady rule. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, so, it was one of those things that kind of frosts my buns. If the you know. prosecution, you're going to court for a crime, and the prosecution has exculpatory evidence, they have to give it to your defense attorneys. That's why I, what I understood in all cases, except, of course, if you are the federal government, then you don't have to provide it. So when you have this video that Tucker Carlson was showing... Yes. That indicated uh, that uh, law enforcement were 
escorting people around uh, that they like the head shamans. Yes, opening doors for him and that kind of thing. Yes, um, that might be exculpatory, might it not? Yeah, I would think so. But his defense attorneys didn't have access to this, did they? Nope. So the whole trial uh, could be tossed out. They they could suggest uh, and go to the go to uh, the courts and say this was a Brady rule uh, violation. They had this evidence that would have indicated that he was not some violent rioting uh, insurgent trying to take over the government, uh, and that he was welcomed by law enforcement. Why don't his defense attorneys do something? Maybe maybe they are in process of doing something, but this was a little ridiculous given the fact that they knew they had this material and they didn't provide it to the defense. There is an excerpt here from the uh, Cornell Law School. If a Brady, Brady, if a Brady rule violation is discovered during trial, the, or, the court can either declare a mistrial or prohibit the prosecution from using unfavorable evidence, which uh, could be discredited by the withheld information. Because the Brady rule inherently involves a lack of information on the side of the defense, however, violations of the Brady rule are typically only discovered after the defendant is already convicted. As a result, the most common outcome of a Brady rule violation is overturning that conviction. Additionally, if the prosecution withheld Brady material intentionally or knowingly, they could be subject to sanctions. Well, that's an interesting turn of events, is it not? I'd be really curious to see how that pans out. Um, so, Ty Beebe, one of uh, two reporters yesterday who apparently were given access to uh, Twitter's internal documents, they were questioned by the Democrats. They were demeaningly called so-called so-called reporters. Um, this is a case of we don't like the information you're giving us, so we are going to um, we're going to shoot the messenger, you. We're going to attack your credibility. What's interesting in uh, the information that I've been reading on these uh, these threads is that Twitter, among others actually withheld information that they knew was true. And they withheld it because it might result in vaccine hesitancy. By the way, it has now. I just want to point this out. Um, true content which might promote vaccine hesitancy was blocked. But because of all of this, because of all this tumult around the vaccine, because of all the lies about the vaccine, there are people who aren't getting regular vaccinations. There are people who won't get MMR, 
uh, or other vaccines. You remember they were running around telling everybody, oh, if you get that MMR vaccine, you're going to get autistic, uh, your children will be autistic and all that nonsense. And I don't believe that, but there are people now who are hesitating to get their children vaccinated for childhood maladies because of all of this, uh, all of these lies that we heard about the COVID vaccine. What a mess the government has made. What a horrible, ugly mess they've made out of health care. I, I, I don't know why anybody would trust the government to do anything rega- re- related to your health care. They're just not capable. They're not qualified. Leave it to the private marketplace. When it comes to determining the efficacy of a new drug, the safety of a new drug, we're better off letting the private marketplace handle this than the federal government. They're slow when you need them to be. They're they're not particularly uh, accurate. They make huge mistakes. And I keep thinking about FenFen. Do you remember FenFen? Oh, take this drug and it'll help you to, to lose weight. And it turns out, or it was that, it, it, it turned out to have all kinds of side effects that were deadly. I think it affected your mental health. Uh, they're just not able to make those decisions. The private marketplace is get the government out of health care, get them out of education. Get them out of environmental protection. Get them out of everything because they screw everything up that they touch. But no, no, Democrats and Republicans to a certain extent buy into it. Oh, yeah, we got to have the government checking all of this. They, they're the ones who will decide, you know, is the water safe? Is the food good? Is the health care right? Is the medicine good? And they can't do it. They just can't. They never will be able to accurately do it. What is going on at the St. Louis Zoo? Have you heard about this, Brian? I have not. There is a bear that has gotten loose twice. An Andean bear at the St. Louis Zoo managed to pry free from his pen a second time. He escaped once earlier last month. At about 1 o'clock in the afternoon on February 23rd, Ben the bear was sighted outside his enclosure by visitors who called in to staff. Zoo-goers were told to shelter in place. Can you imagine walking through the zoo and seeing a, a big Andean bear just walking around? I would be a little unusual, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, though? Uh, St. Louis Zoo staff said that Ben is very precocious four-year-old Andean bear, uh, also called a speckled bear, uh, and uh, some adventuring is to be expected. Oh, I see. <laughs> I go to the. Uh, I gotta hope that the uh, leopards and, and, and other ca- big cats don't, you know, have that same adventure uh, sense of adventure. Thing I'm thinking is, if I brought the kids, I would be in there and see a bear, and I'd say, "Oh, this must be the petting zoo." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, he was uh, safely returned. Zookeepers uh, beefed up the enclosure by adding stainless steel cargo clips rated at 450 pounds tensile strength. Maybe that wasn't enough, huh? Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 35 minutes after 11 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Let me ask you a question, Brian. If I wanted to stand on the corner uh, of Broadway and uh, 7th Street and and swing an axe around, mm-hmm. not hit anybody, just swinging it around. Right. Should that be illegal? No. Well, what if the axe flies out of my hand and hits somebody? Did you actually cause injury to that person? Yeah. Then you would be subject to, you know, whatever law that you just broke, I guess, you know. So the, that, so the fact that I'm out there swinging an axe around but not threatening anybody and not hitting anybody is okay. But if, if I accidentally um, hit somebody, then you would punish me for not being in control of my axe at all times. Pretty much, yeah. Uh-huh. I see. If I'm driving down the street and I'm smoking marijuana, but I don't hit anybody right, or run over anybody and I drive home and I park in the garage and uh, puff my way into the house, <laughs> should I be charged with a crime? Did you cause an accident? No. No? I guess not then, huh? Huh. Well, what if I was driving down the street smoking marijuana and I hit somebody and ran them over. Yeah, then you should be punished for that particular incident. For not being in complete control of my car at all times. Right, yeah. So why is Kent Hayden pushing uh, for products, uh, marijuana, to be in odor-proof and child-proof containers? And why do we have this you-can't-smoke-joints while you're in the car law? The idea for the legislation, uh, Hayden said, came from local sheriffs who expressed frustration about enforcing the driving while intoxicated provisions of the 38-page constitutional amendment, which appeared on the November ballot uh, as Amendment 3 and was approved by voters. I don't know why that's going on. Um, People can't consume marijuana while driving a vehicle. Well, see, this goes back to that whole DUI thing. I I believe, and this is my point of view, you, you may disagree with this, it is Froster Buns Friday and we'll let you call in on anything, but no matter what, if I, ne- if I negotiate my ride home safely without causing an accident, I don't think I should be held, uh, I should be punished. Nobody should say, well, you know what, you are at point oh eight. Uh, you consumed enough alcohol to be a .08. We're going to punish you. Well, wait a minute. I didn't hit anybody. I didn't cause any harm. Well, you might have. Well, that's the same as me standing on the street corner swinging an axe around. Just because I'm swinging an axe around doesn't mean I'm killing anybody. If, however, I do hit somebody, now you got a crime. So... Marijuana in the car, and then on top of that, putting it in a uh, in an odor-proof container. The uh, funny thing I was reading on this article, I I wasn't even aware of it. It says people can't consume marijuana while driving in a vehicle or while riding in a vehicle. Well, you never can tell. Um, you know that. Maybe I get stoned and I lurch uh, over and grab the steering wheel. <laughs> I think is what that what happens when you smoke marijuana? Well, I think what they're concerned with is a contact high. 
Well, I mean, suppose somebody just got blazed at home, and they then they say, "Okay, leave all the smoke at home. We're going to go take a ride." Now what? I don't know. I'm not supposed to ride in a vehicle. Oh, so, so in other words, you and I are sitting in the living room watching the football game. You're smoking a joint. Yeah. I'm sitting there yeah. and getting a contact high, but then I can't drive? Well, no, you're not even near me. Let's say I did it outside, and you say, hey, I want to run up to the uh, Mini Mart. I'm stoned, and you're completely straight, but I'm breaking the law because I'm riding in a vehicle while stoned, right? Well, I mean, that's the you... way this thing reads. People can't consume marijuana while driving a vehicle or while riding in a vehicle. But you're not consuming the marijuana while you're riding. You consumed it while you were sitting on the front porch. Yeah. So you'd be you'd be stoned, but you wouldn't be smoking it in the car. <laughs> and you wouldn't smoke in my car at all. Um, so I, I, see, this is my whole problem with DUI laws. Uh, I'm against those. I'm against seatbelt laws. All of this stuff. Because it doesn't make sense to me. I have to maintain control of my vehicle at all times. Whether I'm, you know, dropping hot ash in my lap, uh, whether I'm under the influence of alcohol, uh, or I'm, and we talked about this last week, or, or, or I'm looking on the sidewalk at a really good-looking, nubile young lady wearing uh, next to nothing. Uh, if I'm distracted and driving and I cause an accident, then you got something. But you wouldn't write me a ticket for looking at her. Well, my wife might, but you know, the police wouldn't. You wouldn't write me a ticket uh, because I spilled some coffee in my lap. You might if I hit somebody. Why are we punishing people f for not harming people? For something they might do? I think I have the answer to that. Because you're, you're too, too stupid. stupid. And as far as I know, it uh, this bill would require all marijuana products to be kept in odor-proof and child-proof containers. I don't know, but I've heard from other people that it's really hard to keep marijuana in an odor-proof container. Yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we make people put alcoholic beverages in odor-proof uh, containers? Uh, I, I don't know. It... it Several members of the committee and even Representative uh, McCann Trade, an associate for cannabis professional, said they supported the intent of the bill, but they didn't think an open container law would get at the heart of concern, preventing both intoxicated drivers and child poisoning. I was around when open container laws came into existence in the early 70s, said Lane Roberts, a Republican from Joplin, who chairs the committee and some really foolish decisions descended from that. Sometimes when we don't understand either the intent or the letter of the law, we make mistakes. Missouri currently doesn't have an open container law for alcohol. It's only a crime when someone is seen drinking while driving. Again, it doesn't make sense to me. You are supposed to be in control of your vehicle at all times. And I don't care what causes you to lose control of that vehicle. That's, you know, when you harm somebody that you're held accountable. We, I'll tell you, the context of this last week was the cell phone. 
Well, you shouldn't be able to talk on the cell phone uh, if it's handheld or, or text while you're driving. It should be against the law. Well, why? Because you might cause a problem? Well, when you do, that's when you're held accountable. Not, not before. If you are successfully negotiating the highway while texting and not causing an accident, then you shouldn't get a ticket. If, on the other hand, you hit somebody, whether you've got marijuana that's causing the problem or alcohol or texting or hot coffee, whatever it is, that's when you should get punished. Not before. And I can't think of an argument that makes sense to me uh, for any of these uh, driving infractions. You cause a problem, you pay for the problem. You want to drive 50 miles an hour in a school zone, you hit somebody, you're going to be held accountable. You want to drive 100 miles an hour on the highway, you hit somebody, you're going to be held accountable. Did you know that, that originally, Brian, highway speed signs were just um, a suggestion? I had no idea, no. It was, you know, right now, if you see a yellow sign that says 40 miles an hour, you don't have to go 40 miles an hour. It's, if it's a yellow sign, it's a recommendation. Um, if it's a white sign, it's a speed limit. It's kind of how I view today's speed limit signs. Just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, I've written with you, and I believe it. All right, up against the clock. Quick break. We'll talk about guns. Una Momento on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 11.50, 10 minutes to 12. And then Glenn Beck will be on board, and Sean Handy, Sean Hannity, and then uh, Randy Tobler. God, I love the Randy Tobler show. Um, that's every afternoon, 4 to 6. The only problem with the Randy Tobler show is... The producer. You've heard the show. I Yeah, I have heard it. Yeah. Uh, listen, we've got uh, the man show tomorrow. Uh, this is going to be from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. at the Holiday Inn Expo Center. <clears throat> now, I don't know how you do better than, uh, than this. Uh, you've got um, camping and firearms and a cigar company. Uh, in fact, renewal by Anderson. I mean, this all the uh, cutlery from uh, Cutco, uh, Continental Siding, uh, Bass Pro Shops going to be there. Uh, and sponsors are like the Missouri uh, Department of Corrections, uh, Doolittle Trailer Company manufacturers, uh, Spirit of Seventy Six. How do you go wrong with the? You, you can't. Mid America Harley. This is going to be the place to go now. We keep telling, telling you it's the man show, but, well, listen, uh, ladies, this is where you want to bring your guy. And if you're looking for ideas like what does he want, what does he like, what do I get him for our anniversary or his birthday or whatever, you want to go with him to the man show. <laughs> See where he, where he lights uh, because it is great fun. Dozens of booths, all kinds of activities. Prize drawing, food and drinks from local Columbia establishments, um, motorcycles, tractors, campers. It, it's just the place to go. It is the Como Man Show 
And again, it'll be tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., the Holiday Inn Expo. Wow, that's great fun. And Brian will be there. I have another obligation. I can't, but Brian will be there. All right, let's move on. Uh, this is interesting. <clears throat> uh, there is a, a, letter, a legislator. His name is Mike Rounds, uh, senator from South Dakota. And he is going to take on the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms with a new bill expanding full-time travelers' gun ownership rights. I hadn't even thought of this. I, you know, I've been hosting the gun show now for at least 10 years. I hadn't thought about this, but you're, you're camping. If, if you can own a, a firearm in your home then you should be able to have a firearm in your vehicle, right? Especially if you're camping. Senator Rounds uh, reintroduced the Traveler's Gun Rights Act on Thursday, a bill that aims to update federal law to account for gun residency issues of full-time travelers, such as people who live in RVs, individuals with multiple homes and military personnel and spouses. Currently, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms doesn't allow post office boxes or private mailboxes to be included on federal forms for firearms purchasers. So if you are living in a mobile home, you, you, can't, you can't buy a firearm? What? As a supporter of the Second Amendment, he says, I am committed to protecting the rights of lawful gun owners. The Traveler's Gun Rights Act removes an unfair prohibition facing Americans with unique living situations. This legislation will make certain that law-abiding citizens do not face a burdensome roadblock when trying to exercise their Second Amendment rights. A companion bill was introduced in the uh, Republican-controlled House of Representatives by Dusty Johnson of South Dakota. Just because a law-abiding citizen resides, or relies rather, on a post office box as their primary address doesn't mean their Second Amendment rights should be limited. Uh, South Dakota is the home to many RVers and active-duty uh, military who have this problem when trying to obtain firearms. The bill is endorsed by several gun advocacy organizations, including the National Rifle Association's Institute for Legislative Action. Uh, and the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Yeah. You should be able to buy a gun. These restrictions on purchasing firearms really shouldn't exist at all. I mean, when you get right down to it, why shouldn't I be able to buy a gun if I travel into Indiana? Why do I have to wait and buy the gun or have it transferred uh, to one of my friends here in Columbia? Based on what? I can buy a rifle, but I can't buy a handgun? That's just stupid. We've got so many stupid laws on the books. Um, it's crazy. Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. It apparently is causing problems in Europe. Volkswagen has announced that it will stop erecting EV battery plants until the European Union has a counter-offer to the United States Inflation Reduction Act. According to the Financial Times, the Volkswagen Group, Europe's largest automaker, expects to receive between 9 and $10 billion in subsidies and loans from the U.S. government 
over the life cycle of a factory. This is the government getting involved in the private marketplace, distorting the marketplace to promote this stupid battery-powered car nonsense. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act was written with several goals in mind, uh, but those applicable to the automobile industry include cutting uh, reliance on China for EV battery components and offering incentives to Americans to get rid of their gasoline-powered cars. The government doesn't have the right to take money from somebody, give it to you to go out and buy your battery-powered car. That's absolutely pathetic. But now they've set up a competition. And now the European Union has to find a counteroffer to keep battery-powered cars being manufactured over there. So they're going to distort their market in response to us distorting our market. The, the implications of this stupid law just keep, just keep coming. Um, the, the whole story is at carbuzz.com, which is kind of a fun website if you're, a, if you're a car guy and you want to find out what the latest uh, news is on cars. Uh, they, they've got it. Uh, imports, battery-powered cars. They seem to be really pushing the battery-powered car thing. And that is really frustrating to me. Uh, in fact, there is now a, a story here, and I don't know how much time do I have here, Brian. I got one minute. Uh, in a column published by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, the uh, vice president uh, has stated that the hefty weight of an EV poses an increased safety risk for road users and a potential solution to avoid severe carnage would be to lower speed limits. So now in addition to redistributing your wealth so somebody could buy a battery-powered car, because of battery-powered cars, they want to reduce the speed limit because the damn things weigh so much. And of course, they tear up tires, they tear up the road. Um, late last year, they showed... Uh, their concern over the weight of an electric vehicle like the 9,500-pound GMC Hummer EV. Get rid of these battery-powered cars. This is just a stupid waste of money. Wait for Glenn Beck. He's up next. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day, Carpe Diem. Glenn, baby, honey, I'm coming home.